go into the Word today, and I want to do part two of a series that I titled, Don't Give Up Now. If you were able to be here last week, how many was here last week? Let me see your hands. Yes, if you were able to be here last week, how many of you have decided to take another lap this week? Let me see your hands. Yes, you took another lap or you wouldn't be here. Uh, if you wasn't here, you don't know what that means. But uh, we talked about Joshua and uh, and Jericho last week. But to go at it again, to not stop short, to believe that even when you cannot see God working around you, that He is working, always working inside of you. Somebody say amen. Romans 8 and 28 says, All things, all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are the called according to His purpose. And this might be your last lap, but you'll never know it if you stop. You know that God spoke to Joshua and told them to march around the walls of Jericho six times, but He never told Joshua never told the people how long they were going to have to march. You might be on your last lap, and God's not told you yet, so you've come too far to give up now. Somebody say amen. It's too, it's too late to stop now, and you've come too far in your walk with God to go back to your old life now. So I believe that there's going to be several people that are going to be sharing testimonies in the weeks to come, maybe the months to come, possibly even the years to come. How that you were faithful and God showed himself to be more faithful than you and I ever could be. And you did not give up. I believe we're going to hear those testimonies. But that was last week. And so today I want to preach to you a message from a New Testament story. But before we get to that passage of scripture, we've got a theme verse. If you'll stand with me all over the house, we'll read one verse of scripture. And we will pray and I'll let you be seated. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36 in the English Standard Version. If you don't have your Bibles, Lauren's got it on the screen. He said... For you have need of endurance, say endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. I want to ask you one more time. I won't pray long. If you'll stretch your heads toward heaven, pray with me and for me this morning. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your awesomeness in this house. Anoint your word right now. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. God, let somebody be encouraged today, loaded up with hope, not to give up now because you're on the way. Help is on the way. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise as you're seated this morning. So the writer said, you need to persevere. I want you to look at somebody next to you and tell them, you give up too quickly. See, that's what he's telling them. He's saying, you quit too soon. You give up too quick. If you don't lose 10 pounds the first week, you quit dieting. You quit doing cardio if you don't look like an Olympic athlete within a month. You quit trying when it seems like it's not working anymore. But you need to keep going, he said, the writer said, watch this, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. I don't know about you, but I want to receive it. Does anybody else want to receive it today? You know, once you've been walking with God for a little while, it no longer impresses you as much, uh, those who have the faith to start something, as it does those who have the fortitude to finish it. It doesn't impress you as much those that have the faith to start something as it does those that have the fortitude to finish it. That's why I really thank God for people like the pastor that I was privileged to grow up under, and that was Pastor Carl Ray Feltz, for pastoring the same church for over, well over 37 years, and for more than that time, loving the same woman for that time and even more than that, and being a godly man, a husband, a pastor, and a father. 
I, you know, as I get older, I admire people that then I didn't really notice and appreciate as much. I admire people now that I can see that not only started, Nina, you know about your daddy, but they had the fortitude to finish. Anybody, church, can show up at the opening event. But those who pay the price to persevere, that's who we should want to be like. So this week I want to talk to you about God's purpose in your life. I want to encourage you today that it, will happen. Say that with me. It will happen. I want to unpack that statement a little bit from Acts chapter 27 where the great apostle Paul, one of the Bible heroes that we often read his writings, but sometimes I don't think we understand what was behind the principles that he shared with us. What he suffered uh, caused him to be able to share what he shared. What he suffered caused him to be able to pen so much of the New Testament. To be able to write to us about the depths of the riches of Christ, he had to experience some personal depths, some personal pain, and some personal disappointment. Listen, if you know anybody who has great spiritual strength, you can guarantee that that was born out of some trouble, out of some turmoil, out of some sorrow, and out of some strife. And we're going to pick up where Paul uh, is at the end of the book of Acts, chapter 27, and Paul is in trouble, y'all. He is in transition. He is in trouble. And by the way, if you're in either one of those places today, if you find yourself in trouble or find yourself in transition, I want you to know that that's a good place to be because it's a place where God does His deepest transformation. When we're in transition and when we're in trouble. And so Paul is in both. And in fact, he is on board this ship and he's headed to Rome. Now listen, it would be one thing if he was headed to Rome on Royal Caribbean or Carnival Cruise Line. Come on somebody. If he was going there because he wanted to take a vacation in Rome. But he's not in Rome as a tourist. He's not in Rome as a visitor. He is headed to Rome uh, with 275 other passengers and he's on this ship as a prisoner. And he's probably suffering some pretty barbaric conditions. And as if it's not enough for Paul to be headed to Rome as a prisoner, along the way he encounters an unexpected difficulty that was not his fault. And that's what we're going to read about today as we talk about it will happen. Having a spirit of faith that God's purpose in your life will be fulfilled. I want to pick up in verse 9. Is there anybody in the house this morning that will say, Pastor, I love the Bible? Anybody? I love the Bible, and I want to tell you why I love the Bible. I love the Bible because it does not pull any punches. It lets us see right inside the lives of the people whose examples we are supposed to be following. And so Paul is on this ship in this story we're going to read, and Luke, who most theologians believe wrote the book of Acts, Luke is giving an account of what happened, and he says, Acts chapter 27, beginning with verse 9, Luke said, Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So conditions were not ideal. How many know that most of the time in our lives, conditions rarely are ideal? So Paul warned them and he said in verse 10, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But listen to verse 11. But the centurion, that was the guy that was in charge, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Now obviously, right? 
Because if you're in charge of getting the prisoners safely transported to where they're supposed to go, and you have the owner of the ship and the pilot of the ship saying, we can keep going, and then there's this loudmouth preacher on board who's over here shouting, no, I just want to let you know that I've been praying about this, and the Lord told me, I want to stop right there because, you know, people will put some funny stuff behind that little phrase, the Lord told me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? People will put some funny stuff behind that phrase. It's kind of like the Christian trump card. It means that right now I'm going to be able to say whatever I want to say and you're not allowed to say anything back in response because the Lord told me. But I want to tell you, in just six years of pastoring, I've had some people look at me that said the Lord told me that I wanted to say, no, the Lord absolutely did not tell you that. The Lord did not. And I got another one for you. The devil didn't make you do it. Hello, somebody. The devil might have tempted you, but you made the choice to do it on your own. Take responsibility for it, own it, and repent of it, and God will forgive that. But when you get exalted, I'm going to get out of my notes right here. I ain't got time for that. But when you get exalted in yourself and you won't admit to it and you won't repent of it, God will not forgive it, and therefore you cannot prosper. But the God that we serve, when we admit it and repent of it, God will forgive it and bless us in spite of it. Somebody say amen. So he says, the Lord has told me we shouldn't go. And then this, the Bible says that this guy who had to make the decision, he's like, okay, I can listen to the pilot of the ship who's gone to nautical school. He's got maps. He's got an understanding of how ships are. Or I can listen to this preacher on board who, by the way, has just been arrested. Mm -hmm. Preacher, prisoner, pilot, owner. I think I'll go with the owner. Most of us in this room would have. Yet because he made that decision to not listen to Paul on board. Listen, Paul was no ordinary preacher. Paul was on that boat because he was fulfilling God's purpose. What Paul represents on this boat is more than just a preacher. He actually represents on this boat the purpose of God. And God is speaking through Paul to warn these men who are not listening. I believe that this is a metaphor for how we are in our lives so many times. We want to listen to every other voice on the boat except God's. Come on, somebody. We want to listen to the other indicators. We want to listen to everybody else's ideas. We want to hear about everybody else's opinions. We listen to everybody else's assessment of the situation before we listen to God. You've got to make a decision. The decision's on you. And so if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Am I going to steer this by my senses or will I steer by the Spirit of God? You see, every ship is being steered by something. This ship represents your life. This ship represents the direction that you're headed. This ship represents all of the things that God has given you. Your life, which you have been entrusted with, by the way, is heading in a direction according to whatever it's being steered by. Now I want you to follow me. I know this is a simple analogy, but it occurs to me that a lot of us are like the centurion. Instead of listening to the, what the voice of God says, because a lot of times what the voice of God says doesn't make any sense. And instead of listening to what the voice of God says, we're listening to what everybody else has to say because that's something that we can understand. 
We're listening to what our own senses have to say because that's something that we can understand. But can I tell you that there's a lot of stuff that God told people to do that is written down in this book that did not make a lot of sense. And if you are living your life by what makes sense, you will never become a person of strong faith. If it always has to make sense for you to obey God, for you to obey God, you'll never know what it means to sail out into deep waters and just trust Him. It doesn't always make sense. It did not make sense for Joshua to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times. It didn't make sense for Moses to put his staff up to the Red Sea and just expect that the water was going to part. It didn't make any sense for Daniel to spend the night in the lion's den all the while declaring that God is able to keep me and protect me with these lions. Some of you would be screaming like a girl. It didn't make a bit of sense, not one lick of sense, for Jesus to hang his body on that cross after they had beat him and scourged him, for him to hang on that cross and still say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That didn't make a bit of sense. It didn't make any sense when the stone was rolled away, for him to get up and appear to all of the 120. It didn't make any sense for the 120 to go out preaching in his name. It didn't make any sense when they persecuted the apostles for the apostles to look up and say after they had been beaten after they had been persecuted for them to say we must obey God rather than men it didn't make any sense so I want to ask you this morning are you living your life by what makes sense because if you're living your life only by what makes sense you'll never know what it is to have faith if you stop every time it doesn't make sense that's what most of us Christians do most of the time. We say, oh, this is going to cost me something. Oh, those people are going to think that I'm weird. Guess what? You're in a Pentecostal church this morning. They already think you're weird. People are not going to want to be around me. People are going to call me one of those kind of Christians. If you're always trying to make sense, you'll never walk in faith. Listen, we walk by faith and not by, by sight. I want you to think about those areas of your life. Are you living according to your senses, to what you can calculate, to what you can tabulate, or are you living according to the sense of confidence in God's promise that God knows how to do the math, and God knows what He's doing? I heard something this week that I really, really like, and here's what it says. You might want to write this down. I love this. I wrote it down when I heard it this week. The outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. The outcome is God's responsibility, but obedience is yours. You don't have to understand to obey. You don't have to know where it's going to end up in order for you to take the next step. And so in this passage, we see some men who keep sailing when they should have stopped. And it's just going to be a disaster because any time that you ignore God's warnings in your life, the winds will be against you. I need you to hear about what I'm going to say this morning because we are in a series that I've titled Don't Give Up Now. This is the last message today. But this is one situation where the sailors should have stopped. They should have, uh, should have given up, so to speak. They should have listened to the warning from God because they went along. And when they went along, they got caught in a wind. And for a little while, it probably looked like everything was going to be okay. In verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and they sailed along the shore of Crete before long. 
It doesn't say how long, but ignoring God's warnings and sailing into the wind before long, some unspecified amount of time, eventually it says a wind of hurricane force. You see what was first just a little soft wind became a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster. It swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. I picture this in my mind because, you know, they had the wind at their backs. And sometimes when you ignore God's warnings in your life, it feels like, it can still feel like you're making progress. But even the progress that you think you're making is ultimately leading you to your own disaster. For what does, the book says, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? What good is it for you to make more money if you have to cut corners to do it and you're not even going to be able to lay your head down and sleep good at night? What good is it for you to accumulate all of this material stuff but yet you are never involved in the things that matter most to God? What good is it for your child? I know nobody's going to help me with this one this morning. I may lose 10 members over this. Who knows? But what good is it for your child to become a great athlete and maybe even get a chance at playing college ball if they have no personal relationship with Jesus Christ? What good is it? You're going with the wind, but the wind is against you when you go against the warnings of God. And I love this phrase. It describes so many of us. It says, driven along, just going, just going with the flow. They completely lost control. And in verse 16, he says, As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run around the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and they let the ship be driven along. There's that phrase again, driven along. I wonder how many people are being driven along today because you ignored the warnings of God. You know what's interesting? I could stop right here and mention some of those warnings that you ignore, but I don't have to because that's what the Spirit of God does. He doesn't threaten you, no. He doesn't condemn you, but He just calls to you in a gentle whisper saying, you could pay a little more attention right here. You need to put your heart back in this thing called your walk with Christ. You need to get back over there and do it like you used to do it. You've lost your passion. You've lost your intensity. You've let the storm cause you to lose your focus. And you've ultimately lost your first love. And now, you're just driven along. I've lost my hold. I've lost my anchor. Verse 18. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. It's getting really bad now. And I have an encouraging message for you today. I know it's getting quiet. I'm going to get there. But before I can get to the encouraging part, I need to describe to you with some accuracy what some people's lives look like right now. You're just throwing stuff off, trying this and trying that, caught up in the middle of the storm. You're all in the midst of the trouble. You're all in the midst of the trial. You're all up in the midst of the situations that many of them, here we go, you created for yourself. Verse 19, on the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. 
when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Isn't that a terrible thing when the storm continues just raging constantly in your life? Can I get a witness this morning? When it seems like the storm that you're in, it just seems like it will never end. And he said, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. That's a statement of more than just distress. Because distress is one thing. But, and that's when you're throwing cargo overboard. That's when you're distressed. That's when you're still trying to do something to save your life. That's when you're still trying to do something to hold your life together. That's when you're still trying to survive. But he said eventually we went from distress to despair. Because we just decided, oh, I'm going to preach to somebody this morning, that it's never going to be any different. And I believe that's where some of you are in your lives this morning. You've made the conclusion that that's just how it is. I'm always going to be depressed. That's just how it is. It's always going to be this way. I'm always going to have these problems. That's just how it is. I'm always going to be lonely because that's just how it is. I'm always going to be addicted to this. This is always going to get the best of me because that's just how it is. Oh, I'm always going to be bitter over this situation and I'm never going to get better. I keep trying, but it seems like I can't, but that's just how it is. I'm always going to have a negative view of these things because that's just how it is. I'm always going to battle this. I'm always going to struggle with this. I'm always going to fight with this because that's just how it is. And you're driven along. And you may not admit it yet, but you've already given up hope. He said when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, he said it gets so dark out here. Because what he's saying is as long as we could see something to be guided by, we kept going. Even though we were taking a beating, we still kept going because we had something that we could see by that we could follow. But eventually when we lost what had been guided by, when we lost our guiding light, we gave up hope and now we're just drifting. I wonder who God sent me here today for that's just drifting. I can picture you in my mind. You're just drifting and you feel like, wow, that guy's talking to me this morning. And here's what I love about God. It says in verse 21, and this is the message that God sent me here to give you, by the way. It says in verse 21, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. I want to do just like Paul today. I want to stand up and preach a word to all of you that may have just been driven along. Yeah, you might have lost some time. You might have lost some cargo. You might have lost some money. You might have lost some moments. You may have even lost some people. You might have lost your peace. You might have lost something else. I don't know what you've lost, but you might have lost some things. But here's what the word of the Lord says. Listen to this and lean into this. Paul stood up before them and he said, Men! You should have taken my advice. Now some of you are thinking, I'm so confused. I did not know the Apostle Paul was a woman. You just got that, didn't you? Yeah. Undoubtedly, 
that is some of the ladies in the room's life verse. Men, you should have taken my advice. Anybody ever said, I told you so? You should have listened to me. But here's what God's really saying. I know that's funny, but here's what God's really saying. God's saying if you would have done this my way the first time around, it would have been a whole lot better. But there are some consequences. You should have listened to God the first time, but this is where it gets good. This is where I get excited. He said, I want us to look at verse 22. He said, you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But in verse 22, he says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Somebody say, but now. Come on, shout it out, but now. You see, I cannot do anything about what happened back there in my life. Come on, somebody. I can't do anything about the mistakes I made in the past. I can't even do anything about the decisions that I made last week. But now, there are some things that I would change if I could change them. If I could get a do-over, trust me, I'd do it over. But I can't. But guess what? But now. You know who Paul sounds like here? He sounds just like Mary and Martha when Lazarus was dead. And Mary and Martha come running out to meet Jesus down the road. And they said, Lord, if you would have but been here, our brother wouldn't have died. But even now. But now. You see, we serve a right now God. Is anybody glad about that this morning? We serve a now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You see, I can't see the stars. I may not be able to see the end of the trial. I may not be able to see the dry ground. I'm looking over the Red Sea, but now, but now, Paul said, I forget about what's behind me and reaching forward to the things that are ahead. Right now, I press toward the mark of of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Somebody ought to praise him in this house this morning. We serve a but now God. I could preach a whole message on but now. We're not going to put this thing off anymore. We're not going to defer our obedience anymore. We're not going to drift off another day anymore. But now, right now, listen to me. The right time to do the right thing is right now. Say amen. And he says, but I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you, I know it was your mistake, but not one of you will be lost. Oh, isn't that good? Isn't God merciful? Isn't God that good and that merciful? And I hear preachers say things like, well, if God brings you to the situation, he'll get you out of the situation. And maybe that's true. But just what if God didn't get me in the situation? What if I got my own stupid self in the situation? Anybody ever done that before? Guess what he said? He said, oh, this is good. He said, I'll still come looking for you. I'll still come get you out. I'll still come save you. I'll still give you another chance. I'll still call your name. I'll still love you. 
I'll still accept you. And I'll still use you. Is anybody glad this morning that God will accept you? God will love you. And God will use you in spite of your mistakes. You see, I shared something on Facebook this week. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossip. Martha was a worrier. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was short. Abraham was old. And Lazarus was dead. But God still used them. There's still hope. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What God is saying to you this morning, what God is saying to you this morning, it's no matter what the situation looks like, no matter what it may look like or feel like or seem like in your life, you don't have to worry about the situation. Not one single one of you will be lost if your faith is in God. Hallelujah. It reminds me of an old song that we used to sing. It said, you don't have to worry anybody ever heard that and don't you be afraid joy comes in the morning troubles they don't last always for there's a friend named Jesus who will wipe your tears away and if your heart is broken. I feel the Lord this morning. Just lift your hands and say, sing it with me. Oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. Listen to this verse. If your tests and trials, ever been there? They seem to get you down you. I feel the Lord. And all your friends and loved ones, they are nowhere to be found. Remember there's a friend in Jesus who will wipe your tears away. And if your heart is broken, here's what you do this morning. Just lift your hands and say, Oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. With Jesus, with Jesus, I can take it. With Him, I know I can stand. No My life is in your... I want to sing this verse again. Listen. So if your tests and trials, they seem to be getting you down. And all your friends, you ever looked around and felt like you were alone? Were nowhere to be found. You're not alone. You know why? Because there's a friend in Jesus who will wipe your tears away. And if your heart is broken, all you got to do is lift your hands. And the Lord's ministering to somebody right now. I know that I can make it. I know 
Somebody ought to praise him this morning that your life is right in the palm of his hand. Somebody ought to praise him this morning that your life is right in the palm of his hand. Now I want Nicholas to continue to play softly, but I want you to have a seat for just a moment if you can, because I want to finish this out. I want to talk about this boat. You see, it's not looking so good for the boat. He said only the ship will be destroyed. I want to ask you a question this morning. Is this good news or is this bad news? I guess it depends on your priority and the situation. If what you care about most is the boat, when the boat goes down, your hope goes down with it. But Paul said, keep your courage up, men, because not one of you will be lost. That's something you might need to remind the devil of every now and then. God said not one of us would be lost. So Paul said, keep your courage up, men. The ship, we can talk about the ship later, but as for you, see, Sometimes, I want you to hear me say this. Sometimes our hope is too much in how we want God to do something. I want you to follow me here. Sometimes our hope is in our plan for how we want God to get where we think God wants to take us. But if your hope is in your plan, when your plan is interrupted, and trust me, it will be, then your faith fails. I thought I'd be farther along by now. I thought that they would never leave me. I thought that they were going to be with me for life. And, and I thought that I was going to get into this university or, or, or this program, Robbie. Or I thought that I was going to marry this one or I was going to marry that one. And I thought we were going to be together forever. I thought that they were going to do this or I thought they were going to do that. Are you so focused on how you thought it was going to happen that you're missing the way that God wants to bring it about? That's what Paul's trying to get these men to see. He says, we're not going to get there in the boat which I prefer by the way I like the boat I'm a fan of the boat I'm totally into the boat but there's no hope left for the boat the boat is going down in other words some things are never going to be like they were again you're not going to be able to hit the rewind button and go back and do that part over but your life is still in his hands. Verse 23, he said, Last night an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. Boy, I like that phrase. He stood beside me because see the, see, the Bible teaches and they even sing about he goes behind us. He goes before us, but he's also beside us. I'm so glad that he's an omnidirectional God. I'm so glad that he's a 360 degree God. You see, he's already gone into my future and he's prepared it just for me. But he's also gone into my past and thank God he's redeemed it so that I can enjoy my future. He's right here beside me right now in this moment to encourage me and tell me, keep up your courage. Don't give up now. Don't give in now. I've got a plan and a purpose for your 
life. You've got to keep your courage up. Touch somebody next to you and say, keep your courage up. See, the boat might be going down, but keep your courage up. Your bank account might be going down, but keep your courage up. Things not, may not be working out like you thought they were going to work out, but keep your courage up. See, sometimes the only thing that's within your control is your courage. Your conditions are not always in your control. Rarely ever are they. You don't always get to decide what kind of skies you face or what kind of seas you sail or, or what the weather forecast is going to be. Angie and I went on a cruise in February that in five days or four days we saw three hours of sunshine. But the cruise still cost me the same amount of money that it cost some of you that got five days. And I don't like you for that. But the Lord loves me and He'll forgive me. You don't get to choose the weather. You don't get to choose the storm. So how many know sometimes the storm chooses you? But some of you have lost your courage and you've lost your confidence and you've lost your hope and your joy and you want to know why? Because all of your hope was in the boat. Your hope was in your circumstance. And God says sometimes i got to break your boat apart so that I can teach you how to let your hope float to the surface without the boat. Verse 24, and he said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God graciously has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep you up your courage, men, for I have faith in God. Read this with me, that it will happen just as he told me. That's what I came here to tell you this morning. It will happen just as he told you. The boat may look like it's going down. Your circumstances may be less than ideal, but don't you give up now. Hold on to the promise of God, and if God said it, God will do what God promised that he'll do. Keep up your courage, family. Keep up your courage, sister. Keep up your courage, single parent. Keep up your courage. Even though you didn't plan on tackling this thing by yourself, keep up your courage. Maybe even though your business is starting to shrink a little more than you expected, keep up your courage. If everything else goes down, keep up your courage, for I have faith that it will happen just as he told me. Not just like I thought, not just like I wished, but it will happen. God's purpose in my life and God's purpose in your life will be fulfilled he hasn't left me he hasn't left me in this journey I'm on sometimes people leave you but God hasn't left me I'm not worried about the boat I'm just thankful that not a one of us is going to be lost. God hasn't left me. He's still standing right beside me. He's still got me. And guess what? We were never alive because of the boat anyway. You were never alive because of the boat anyway. I love the boat. But my hope ain't in the boat. I love more than anything this church. Not more than anything. I love God more than anything. And my family comes next. But right after that. I love this church that we planted six years ago a whole lot. But my hope's not in this church. My hope's in the God that this church is supposed to be serving. My hope's in the God that planted this church. I didn't plant it. I just answered the call. See, one time Jesus wanted to show the disciples that, so he just went out walking on the water. Can you imagine that? I'm going to close. He wanted to show them, hey, I can borrow your boat when I want to. But guess what, boys? I don't need your boat. I can walk on the water without the boat. Because I created all this stuff that you think you have to have. That's a whole other sermon that I'll preach some other time. Because God's not subject to what He created. 
He can get on top of any circumstance and do anything that He wants to do. I want you to tell somebody next to you, it will happen. God's going to do it. Nevertheless, verse 26, nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. You know what's amazing? In verse 41, we're not going to go there. I'm closing now. But down, way on down in verse 41, eventually the ship struck a sandbar and it ran aground. And when it wouldn't move, the stern was broken apart by the pounding of the surf. And the soldiers, listen to this, planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. So it's kind of like, hey, Paul, thanks for saving our lives. Now we're going to kill you. Anybody ever been there? You feel like you just totally spent yourself for somebody and once you got them out of their rut, it was like they just stuck a dagger in your heart? Hey, thanks for saving my life. Now I'm going to kill you. It's like one of those lifetime movies. The centurion wanted to spare Paul's life, though, and he kept them from carrying out their plan. So thank, thank God for the centurion. And he ordered those who could swim, listen to this, to jump overboard first to get to land. And the rest who were on there to get on planks or other pieces of the ship if they couldn't swim. But in this way, everybody reached land safely. I want to ask you this morning, are you worshiping the way that you want God to do it? Or are you worshiping the God who said that he would do it? And are you trusting him to do it any way he sees fit? He said he'd provide for you, but he didn't always tell you how he'd provide. He said he'd never leave you or forsake you, but he didn't promise that you wouldn't feel alone sometimes. He promised to meet every need, but he didn't say he'd give you everything you wanted. He said he'd meet your needs. But I came to tell you this morning, don't give up now. It will happen just as he told you. One of my favorite scriptures tells me, you know, no matter what's going on in my life, in my ministry or my family or my home, in my spirit or happening with my friends or the church or whatever, I always hold on to this verse in Philippians 1 and 6. It says, he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that God finishes what He starts. Hallelujah. I said, some of you need to hear that again. God finishes what He starts. If God planted this church, God will carry this church on way after I'm dead and gone. If God saved you and called you for a purpose, that purpose will carry on if you'll just but trust Him. If God has made you a promise that He's going to do something in your life, you can take that deposit like a good check to the bank and you can count on it. It will be there in God's timing. Stand with me all over the house this morning. You just need to remember today that God's the one who started it. Paul said, God's the one who started this. He's the one who let me get on this ship. God's the one who let me end up in chains. I always wanted to go to Rome, but I didn't picture these kinds of travel accommodations. But if God put me on this ship, if I have to float on in in pieces, if I have to grab onto boards, if I have to swim the rest of the way in, I'll do it. Last week I preached to you I said, just keep marching. This week, I came to tell somebody this morning, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. If you have to tread water, if you have to doggy paddle just to stay afloat, just keep swimming. Don't give up now. It will happen just like God said it would. Bow your heads all over this room with me today. I feel led, first of all, to say there's somebody in this room today who's in a storm. And the first thing I want to ask you to do, because, folks, what we're getting ready to do right now, this altar time is the most important thing that we do here all day long. It lasts about five to seven or eight minutes most days, but it's the most important part of the hour and a half that we spend here. So please, first thing first, remove pride out of the way and just get that out of the way right now. And don't worry about what anybody else thinks or what anybody else says, because I believe... There's somebody here today, several somebodies who are in a storm. 
And the storm has been so severe that at times you've started to despair. You've given up hope at times of even being saved. And you're just, I don't mean saved for salvation. You've given up hope that the storm was ever going to end. You're just drifting along in life. You don't even have a compass to guide by anymore. Maybe at once you had a strong sense of direction and relationship, but today you just feel like you're just drifting. You're just driven along. You've tried to throw all the cargo off the ship. You've done everything you know to do, but you're still drifting along. You've taken a beating in this storm. You've been pounded by the surf, and and right and, and days and nights you fought against that storm, and you're at the place right now maybe even where you don't know what to do. But God's brought you to this place. He wanted to show you all along that He's the one who's been sustaining your life. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. He's been waiting for this moment so long. He's been waiting for you to just give this to Him and say, I'm going to trust you through this storm. So if that's you right now and you just want to admit it, and you would you please cast pride aside and say, Pastor, I'm going through a storm in my life, but I've heard this word this morning, and I'm going to stand on the word that not a single one of us, including myself, is going to be lost. God is going to ride out this storm with me. Even if the ship goes down, I'm not going down. I'm going on with Jesus. If that's you, step out from where you are right now. I'm in a storm this morning. That's all you're admitting. I'm in a storm in my life. I want you to step out of where you are right now. I'm going through a storm in my life. Thank you. They're coming. I'm going through a storm in my life. The winds have blown. Come on. I know some of you want to come. Come on. Yes. Thank you for obeying the Lord. Come on. I'm going through a storm in my life. I'm going through difficulties in my life. There have been times that I didn't know what to do. Yes. Come on, Lexi. Anybody else? There have been times that I didn't know if the storm was going to end. I've been pounded on by the waves. I've taken a beating from this storm and I don't want to be drifting along, but today, come on, Chris. Come on. I'm Today, I'm going to trust God to do what He's promised to do in my life. I want some to come pray with these right now. Move quickly. Find through somebody in this altar to pray with. Somebody else that says I'm going through the storm in my life. I feel the Holy Ghost moving all over this building right now. God said I'm not finished with you. I'm not giving up on you. You're not going to perish. You're not going to be lost. The ship may go down but I am your God and I will bring you safely to shore. Now they're praying all over this house if there's anybody else that says I need to come. I need to come. I'm going through a storm. But there may be somebody else before they sing, before they sing, there may be somebody here that says, Pastor, I'm not even where I need to be with the Lord. I'm not even where I need to be with God right now. I just need God. I need God in my life. I need God to do this thing in my life that I can't do myself. I need to give this over to God. I'm not where I need to be with Him. If that's you, would you step out from where you are right now? Please, whatever you do, don't leave this room today not knowing that you're ready to meet Jesus should you go out into eternity.